0: Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and we are diving on into a big book study. Today, we are in the third part of The Family afterward. It's page 130, page 130 in the big book, and those of us who have spent much time are the first words. And before we get going, we've covered a lot of ground here in The Family afterward. and I just want to weave one principle into what we're about to talk about. There's going to be a few suggestions coming up today and some observations about how alcoholism affects the family and how we can step away from it. Some great ideas are about to be extrapolated from the reading. But prior to that, we have encountered the solution to our family problems in the first two parts. And that is the principle, the guiding principle, the guiding principle of every relationship in your life, the guiding principle of how you interact with your employer, of how you interact with your AA group, how you interact with your religious group or your club or whatever you're a part of, is this. The principle of giving is better than the idea of getting, that we're going to focus on what we can give into the world as opposed to what we can wrestle out of the world. We're going to see what we can do as opposed to what we can have people do for us. And here's here's how I like to say it. The more important I make other people to me the more important I become to other people that I've spent much of my life drinking for a sense of security, satisfaction, and a sense of purpose. And I can get that in service to other people. And I simply never was able to get that from myself. So my faith in God, my faith in the higher power, and the ideas of patience, kindliness, love, tolerance, and understanding all come from the first two parts of the family afterward. And Bill's going to put together for us some reasons why here. So it starts off really kind of funny, but right after my own heart and maybe many of you too. So let's dive right on in. It says, those of us who have spent much time in the world of spiritual make-believe have eventually seen the childishness of it. This dream world has been replaced by great sense of purpose, accompanied by growing consciousness of the power of God in our lives. That's the reason why you put other people first. This is what happens. This is some of the insights we'll be talking about. We have come to believe, step two, he would like us to keep our heads in the clouds with him, but our feet ought to be firmly planted on earth. So a rational, logical, reason-based approach, based on your own experience. The governing question is, does it work? Does it work? Yes or no? That is where our fellow travelers are. And and those fellow travelers may well be our family, right? They may be asking that question too by watching you. Does AA work? Does this God thing work? Does this spiritual deal work? What about these steps? What in the world is that? Does it work? And if we demonstrate it like it's told us in the first two parts, we'll be showing them, indeed, it does. That is where our fellow travelers are. And that is where our work must be done. These are realities for us. We have found nothing incompatible between powerful spiritual experience and the life of sane and happy usefulness. Being of practical value is a great thing for a sense of purpose. One more suggestion. Whether the family has spiritual convictions or not, they may do well to examine principles by which the alcoholic member is trying to live. Why would they believe it? Because you're demonstrating it. They can hardly fail to approve these simple principles though the head of the house still fails somewhat in practicing them. That's okay. Nothing will help the man who is off on a spiritual tangent so much as the wife who adopts a sane spiritual approach, making a better practical use of it. Hmm. There will be other profound changes in the household. Here we go. Liquor incapacitated father for so many years that mother became head of the house, right? We're going to have to see what happens here. There's trust trying to develop she met these responsibilities gallantly. That means in a daring manner. You know, she took them on, afraid, not knowing what the next day would bring. By force of circumstances, she was often obliged to treat father as a sick or wayward child. Even when he wanted to assert himself, he could not, for his drinking placed him constantly in the wrong. Mother made all the plans and gave directions. When sober, father usually obeyed. Thus, mother, Through no fault of hers, became accustomed to wearing the family trousers. Mama's wearing the pants. Father coming suddenly to life again. Whoo! Remember, that can be disturbing, right? They may not like this. Hmm. Father coming suddenly to life again often begins to assert himself, which means to state things or to stand in a strong way. This means trouble. This means trouble. Hey, all you alcoholics out there that want to assert yourself at home and make sure everybody starts treating you like the fantastic human being that has accomplished the most amazing thing and the miracle of sobriety is upon you and your God has chosen you for this fantastic job. Wait a second. Wait, it's going to tell us not to do that. Hold on. Often begins to assert himself, this means trouble. Unless the family watches for these tendencies in each other and comes to a friendly agreement about them. Oh man, friendly agreement. Okay, drinking isolates most homes from the outside world. Father may have laid aside for many years all normal activities, clubs, civic duties, sports. When he renews interest in such things, a feeling of jealousy may arise. Like, why now? You haven't wanted to do that for decades. The family may feel they hold a mortgage on dad so big that no equity should be left for outsiders. Instead of developing new channels of activity for themselves, Mother and children demand that he stay home and make up for the deficiency. At the very beginning, the couple ought to frankly face the fact that each will have to yield here and there if the family is going to play an effective part in the new life. Wow. Wow, how did they know to do that? Because you did it, right? Because you did it. Do not compete with them. And over time, you go first. And over time, over time, They'll stop competing with you. They'll admire you for it. It may be annoying at first, and you may get insulted for doing it. That happened to me. But I'm telling you, over time, it becomes the preferable thing. Hmm. Father will necessarily spend much time with other alcoholics, but this activity should be balanced. So as we get sober and we get out of that convalescence, we're trying to achieve that balance we talked about in previous parts. New acquaintances who know nothing of alcoholism might be made and thoughtful consideration given their needs. The problems of the community might engage attention. Though the family has no religious connections, they may wish to make contact with or take membership in a religious body. That happened to me. Alcoholics who have derided, which means talk in a critical way or be con- condemning, alcoholics who have derided religious people will be helped. Who will be helped by such contacts. I think that's a little mention of humility, right? He says earlier in the book for us to listen to what religious people have to say because it may be helpful. Being possessed of a spiritual experience, the alcoholic will find he is much in common with these people. So there's that reference. We've been through the steps. Step 12, a spiritual thing as a result of the steps. Right here it is, that spiritual experience. Being possessed of a spiritual experience. So this is after the steps. The alcoholic will find. He has much in common with these people, though he may differ with them on many matters. If he does not argue about religion, he will make new friends and is sure to find new avenues of usefulness and pleasure. I'll tell you about that in a second. That's true. He and his family can be a bright spot in such congregations. He may bring new hope and new courage to many a priest, minister, or rabbi who gives his all to the minister to our troubled world, because here you are, recovered. Here you are talking about God. Here you are talking about patience, love, kindliness, tolerance, principles that transect religions. Wow. We intend the foregoing as a helpful suggestion only. So far, as we are concerned, there is nothing obligatory about it, which means you aren't required by the rules of AA. Check the rule book of AA to do any of this. As non-denominational people, we cannot make up others' minds for them. Each individual should consult his own conscience. We have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things. We've been dealing with alcohol in its worst aspect, but we weren't a glum lot. In other words, we're not a bunch of sad people going, oh my God, I'm an alcoholic. It's just terrible. We're not a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. You'll hear that in meetings from time to time. Seldom do people know where it is in the book, right? There it is. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. We try not to indulge in cynicism, which is a belief that other people are bad, over a state of nations, nor do we carry the world's troubles on our shoulders. When we see a man sinking into the mire, that is, alcoholism, We give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. We give it away freely. For his sake, we do not recount and almost relive horrors of our past. But those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others find we are soon overcome by them. So we drop the book at their feet. Tell them if they want help, we're here. And we walk away. So we think cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. Outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over a seemingly tragic experience out of the past. But why wouldn't we laugh? We have recovered. What We have recovered. End of the debate for you people out there that want to debate it. We have recovered and have been given the power to help others. Right? Our life comes together on its own. The whole thing is about helping others. Everybody knows that those in bad health and those who seldom play do not laugh much. So let each family play together or separately as much as their circumstances warrant. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. Wow. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. So we're not going to rely on our spouses or our kids or relationships for looking out there for who might be insulting us or who might not want us to recover or that buddy we used to drink with. It's like, come and drink with me, man. It's all about God at this point. The happy, joyfulness, and freedom is given to us by our higher power, and that's where we rest it in. We lean into the higher power for happiness, joyfulness, and freedom. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. We cannot subscribe to the belief that his life is a veil of tears, though it once was just that for many of us, but it is clear that we made our own misery. It's our own fault. God didn't do it. Avoid then the deliberate manufacture of misery. (laughs) How many of us do that, right? Doom and gloom. It's our first thought. Something happens and it's the end of the world. A buddy of mine in one of the meetings I like to go to says, I never get a mole. I get skin cancer. I'm going to die in a week. (laughs) And the funny thing about that is I did have a mole and I did have skin cancer. That's my own story. But The point being that we always see it through the lens of the negative mind. We have that persistent negative attitude that we don't always shake. And we can, if we rest in the fact that we are here to serve others and we get that sense of purpose, we begin to change and we begin to see things as opportunities. And once was calamity, once was a malady, becomes a chance to exercise the obligation of helping others. It's pretty amazing. Oh, whoo. Avoid, then, the deliberate manufacture of misery, but if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. Who <laughs> Didn't think you'd find that in there. was the last time you heard that at meeting? Somebody shares something that's difficult, and you're like, oh, you're supposed to cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate God's omnipotence. Good luck with that. But it's true, right? This is how we turn it around. Our self-centeredness, our selfishness, our self-pity is disgusting, and it's not helpful to anybody. And when we can look at other people's troubles as our chance to bring patience, kindliness, and joy, love, that prayer of St. Francis of Sissi, you know that we can bring these things in there. When we take the responsibility to go first with the good stuff, we gain a lot of power and purpose in life, I'll tell you that. Now about health. A body badly burned by alcohol does not often recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. So what he's saying here is following a spiritual way of living and having things like happiness, joyfulness, and a sense of freedom in your life will go a long way to you just feeling a lot better, even from physical ailments. We who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health, but we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Hardly one of our crowd now shows any dissipation. Wow. But this does not mean that we disregard human health measures. God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners of various kinds. Do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Most of them give freely of themselves that their fellows may enjoy sound minds and bodies. Try to remember that though God has wrought miracles among us, we should never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. Their services are often indispensable in treating a newcomer and in following his case afterwards. One of the many doctors who had the opportunity of reading this book in manuscript form told us that the use of sweets was often helpful. Every AA, right? So I got donuts and chocolates everywhere. Of course, depending upon a doctor's advice. He thought all alcoholics should constantly have chocolate available for its quick energy value at times of fatigue. Hmm, you're not going to have any trouble convincing me of that. He added that occasionally in the night a vague craving arose which would be satisfied by candy. Many of us have noticed a tendency to eat sweets and have found this practice beneficial. A word about sex relations. Alcohol is so sexually stimulating to some men that they have overindulged. Couples are occasionally dismayed to find that when drinking a stop, the man tends to be impotent. Unless the reason is understood, there may be an emotional upset. Some of us had this experience, only to enjoy in a few months a finer intimacy than ever. There should be no hesitancy in consulting a doctor or psychologist if the condition persists. We do not know of many cases where this difficulty lasted long the alcoholic may find it hard to reestablish friendly relations with his children their young minds were impressionable while he was drinking without saying so they may cordially hate him they cordially hate him cordially means in a spirited manner all right it doesn't mean nicely they may have cordially they may cordially hate him for what he has done to them and their mother the children are sometimes dominated by a pathetic hardness and cynicism They cannot seem to forgive and forget. This may hang on for months, long after the mother has accepted dad's new way of living and thinking. In time, they will see that he is a new man, and in their own way, they will let him know it. Think about that for a second, guys. In time. So time takes time. It's one of those annoying things, but it's a fact. Over the course of time, as you demonstrate a life of spirituality, in other words, as you find ways to give into life, to pour into life, patience, kindliness, gentleness, understanding, when you continually add these to life, they will eventually soften up. It may take a long time. I know people that it's taken decades. It could come faster as well. But in time, they will see that you're a new person. And in their own way, not our way, but allowing them, not competing with them, not insisting, not shooting them to death. Don't shoot on your kids, right? In their own way, they will let you know it. And so it goes on. When this happens, they can be invited to join in morning meditation, and they can take part in the daily discussion without rancor, which is an angry feeling or hatred or bias. From that point on, progress will be rapid. Marvelous results often follow such a reunion, whether the family goes on a spiritual basis or not, because they may not, right? They don't have to. We, get, we can recover regardless of anyone. The alcoholic member has to if he would recover. So, whether the family does it or not, we got to do it. The others must be convinced of his new status beyond the shadow of a doubt. That's why we demonstrate in all our affairs. Seeing is believing to most families who have lived with a drinker. Here is a case in point. One of our friends is a heavy smoker and coffee drinker. There was no doubt he overindulged. Seeing this, and meaning to be helpful, his wife commenced to admonish him, which is to speak in a critical way, right, about it. He admitted he was overdosing. What? He admitted that he was overdosing. Overdosing? There's that funny word. How'd that get in there? I thought we got, like, drunk. Anyway, he admitted he was overdosing these things, but frankly said that he was not ready to stop. His wife is one of those persons who really feels there is something rather sinful about these commodities, so she nagged, and her intolerance finally threw him into a fit of anger, and he got drunk. Hmm. Of course, our friend was wrong, dead wrong. He had to painfully admit that and mend his spiritual fences. Though he is now a most effective member of Alcoholics Anonymous, he still smokes and drinks coffee, but neither his wife nor anyone else stands in judgment. She sees she was wrong to make a burning issue out of such a matter when his more serious ailments were being rapidly cured. In other words, a lot of us get to AA and we're like, I'm going to lose weight and stop smoking. I'm going to (laughs) juice. I'm going to work out every day. I got a membership at this gym or that gym or I'm going down to the Y. I'm going to start running 17,642 miles a month. I got my pedometer. I got my, you know, it just goes on and on because we are enthusiasts (laughs) as this chapter identified. So it goes on and here's, people wonder where this is at in the big book. So here's where it's at. We have three little mottos, which are apropos, which means suitable. Here they are. First things first, right? One thing at a time, get really good at it. Focus on the steps. A great way to think about this is right in the beginning of step five in our 12 and 12, it talks about how unity is so important to what we're trying to do. That's like team AA. And that you really want to get good at one thing, you know, that focus on one thing. That'll be those steps. Get really good at using the spiritual toolkit. So you're on team AA, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. First thing is first, calm down, let time do its thing. Let perseverance finish its work, live and let live. The way I brought that to you was don't compete with other people on the basis of right and wrong, true and false, good and bad, like, and don't like just stay out of those arguments. Allow, just allow people to be however they are, to remember things, however they do, to just see the world they care to see it. That's, that's so important. And you can build relationship that way. They begin to trust and communicate through that. And then easy does it. Just take it easy on yourself. It's not important that we get it perfect. We are not flawless people, nor are we trying to be. But the journey, The journey is where this whole thing is at. So as we practice the principles of AA in all our affairs, we can see this chapter called the family afterward manifest in really every element of our life. The same confusions and conflicts that we start off with in early sobriety do become balanced. And we do become skillful. And we do gain in our understanding. We do build an experience in sobriety on how to handle our personal relationships in a way that is Focus on the principle of giving rather than getting. And when we do that, this easy does it idea comes along. Uh, Our big book tells us that we operate more efficiently. We don't struggle so hard. We take it easy, things like that. Easy does it. Do not try to force or make anybody change anything. Just demonstrate, demonstrate, focus on you, demonstrate on how you can be a giving person. What are you pouring into the stream of life? So, As we come out, I think the discussion of this particular portion, as we finish up the family afterwards, really goes through the whole thing. What was your progression of relationship restoration? Where are you at with that? If you're brand new to recovery, how does this relate to you? Where are the conflicts in your relationships? And perhaps some people with more time can share with you how they solved it. If you've been around a little while, How did this transition in your life? How did this metamorphosis into something better? Did you end up divorced in the end? Are you talking to your kids? And what type of miraculous relationships came along? I got one for myself. It was five years after I got sober that I would be stuck in an airport with my oldest sister, and, and she finally talked to me about it. We had a delay in our flight, and she said, okay, tell me everything. What happened to you? And I told her, and what she told me was fantastic. She said that she has an island, her life is an island, <laughs> and I was not allowed on her island. And really, I, I could picture that, and I could see all the things his family afterward talked about. So who's let you on their island now? Who's let you? Is it your children, your your sisters, your brothers, your friends, somebody you hurt long ago? Who's let you on your island, especially for those of you that have done amends? And I think that would be a great discussion, that we talk about the conflicts that we encountered at first, And how the restorative effect of a spiritual life demonstrated out to others on a consistent, predictable, and reliable basis has literally brought a new life to you, a new purpose, a new sense of significance and satisfaction. The more important you make other people to you, the more important you will become to other people. I hope you have a great discussion.